eventually you, you, you face down enough challenges and you just start saying, okay, what's next? Like, and I never went hungry. I never, um, had any major catastrophes that we couldn't handle. It was, it was, it was almost like an incubator. It was an oasis to be out there and to recognize that there's a deeper work going on in terms of my character and in my, um, humility that I need to step back and I need to face that. And I need to wrestle with, um, who am I and what am I put here to do? And how do I step into that and extract the lessons from this season of life that can help me help other people? And boy, you know, our character is the most forged, I think, in the difficult seasons rather than the comfortable ones. And so um, the number of lessons I was able to pull out of that season has has been something that I can't not help people with now because there's they're they're painful lessons but there's it's it's that facing down the tension between me and my wife at that point of her my willingness and eagerness to get my hand back in the entrepreneur ring to to do something and she she had a a longer on-ramp or a slower burn to be willing to even entertain that it was so devastating Hey, everybody. Welcome to or back to the Mental Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Lobos. And today on the show, I've got a great guest, Christian Elliott. He is, uh, man, the guy, the guy's impressive in a resume. Yet what we're going to talk about today is, is about triumph and tragedy and failure and succeeding through it and pushing yourself and challenging yourself. And I'm going to get into that in just a second. I want to read I want to read Christian's bio because it's he's, he's what an interesting story he's going to tell us today and amazing lessons from that story. And I'm really just I was really happy on this thing. I was really just interested in hearing the humans struggle, the humans triumph, the little moments that he made different little tiny tweaks and changes that changed his whole trajectory. It's so interesting. And I and I get a lot of fan feedback. Um when we have stuff like this. So I'm, I'm excited for you to hear it too. So if you were watching on YouTube, by the way, this is our new quitters club logo and shirt. If you want one email or DM me or Aaron, and we'll get one out to you. Um, so Christian Elliott is the CEO of true whole human. He and his wife have helped thousands of people achieve their health and, phys and, and physique goals. And since 2005, he's also done over 15,000 hours on one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions with his clients. He runs a popular blog called Deconstructing Conventional, which has been featured in Men's Health, Men's Fitness, Huffington Post, CBS, and a ton of other major news outlets. So today, Christian and I are going to talk about his journey from you know, building this incredible business from a little tiny startup and nine years into it, into this incredible business and a legal issue with a landlord bankrupting him and how his whole life, literally four kids, wife, and his wife was his business partner, everything changed in that moment. And so we're going to spend the whole hour talking about Christian's story and his faith and his trust in himself and in uh, his religion and, and his wife's trust in him. And we're going to break some things down and how he did things. We're going to break down the whys. This is a really cool episode. I really had a lot of fun getting to know Christian and just listening to his story. I love that stuff. And I know you guys do too. So things we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about like, what am I supposed to be learning in this season of life? You know, I know a lot of you go through some tough stuff and that's a great question to ask yourself. So 
We're going to talk about clean slate, scaling your business, slowing down, learning skills that you didn't know you didn't know you needed, uh, focusing into the next challenge. We're going to talk about extreme ownership and taking everything on yourself. Um, I'm not talking about leveraging that. I'm talking about owning what's going on and what you've caused because of your choices. We're going to talk about regret now versus the future. We're going to talk about setting goals and moving the goalposts or goalposts that continue to move, being intentional with learning, the value of mentorship, removing distractions and being present, personal development strategies. I'm going to tell you about some of the exercises that Aaron and I use that you can get free if you are on our or in our mental purpose community or our quitters club community, you can get them for free, like our future stage presentation. So that's it. That's Christian, Christian Elliott. You're going to love this episode. Really appreciate you listening. And um, I know you're going to have fun on this one. So enjoy. All right, Christian, let's do this thing, man. Welcome. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, our pleasure. Our pleasure. So I want to dig into your professional stuff in just a bit. Beginning this episode, I'd like to dig into the personal side and go way back and just figure out what messed you up, man? <laughs> for lack of a better, How long do you have? Yeah. for a lack of a better phrase, what messed you up when you were a kid? And because uh, that's what the audience they they want that they need that they need to know that that like I was telling you before we started recording, they need to know that we're not special and they're not unique. Everybody is unique in their own little story. Yet the stuff that happens to us, that's not unique. It happens to everybody. Now maybe not to the degree, the degree that it happened to someone else. However, the way that you got it, told yourself the story, allowed the trauma to set in, that's, that's on you. Oh, for sure. You yeah. No, I mean, none of us get to, to go through this life without a, some rough patches or some identity quakes where you really start sure. questioning a lot of what you thought you knew or tools that you use to get to where you are that don't serve you anymore. Right. Now right. For, something else, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So no, take man, us back, man. Where'd you, where'd you, st- and by the way, audience, I don't have an agenda here. It's not like Christian has some like crazy, crazy story that I'm de- letting me leading into. I just, I'm very curious. Okay, cool. Well, yeah. So I short version, I grew up in a Christian home. I, um, really had, I've never left the faith. So I never had this faith quake. I never had this idea of like, no, this is nah, leaving that and, and kind of um, trying to find my way spiritually that for I can, I'm fortunate to say that has been my anchor that has gotten me through some pretty tough stretches of life. So sure. um, can I to, ask you a question know, real quick? What sure. is it? What is it about that that makes it an anchor? Is it? Is it trust is it faith is it a belief in something higher power what what is that that makes it an anchor for you yeah it's been a few, you know i guess a couple things one is i studied early on i studied apologetics and i studied you know defense of the faith i studied what is it what other philosophies are out there and and if you get into creation evolution debates and usually creationists are on the defensive you turn it around on somebody that thinks from an evolutionary perspective and you ask them questions they can't answer and suddenly now we're having an honest conversation and so right. I've never found better answers to the meaningful questions of life than a Christian perspective on hmm. on where this world came from, who sets the standards for morals and ethics, where we're going. And so I, even in the, the tough seasons of life, I couldn't doubt it all the way to be like, yeah, God doesn't exist. And maybe this whole thing doesn't matter. And, and, and that, that part for, you know, fortunately didn't get disrupted and it gave me a, some level of stability to say, I can't, 
pretend God doesn't exist. I can't pretend that he's not loving. Sure. I just don't understand this. I just, I have to figure out what is it that I'm supposed to be learning in this season of life. And as you wrestle with that, as you anchor to the difficult parts of the questions that you haven't been faced with yet, the way that you had God in a box and thought you understood the world and you realize he's a lot bigger and his ways are a lot higher and he's more interested in your personal growth and in your becoming more like him than he is in the, you know, how comfortable your life is. He's more interested in refining you. That to be able to say, I don't understand this, but I trust you. <laughs> and I'm going to do my best to be faithful as I walk through this. That's, that was something that helped me get through really what the darkest season of my life was only about five years ago. Mm. So um, we, my wife and I had a, you know, I, f I went to college, went to grad school, actually went to uh, seminary, got a master's of divinity and had kind of this, what am I going to do with my life? You pay a lot of money to get an education for a job that doesn't pay you very much. Yeah. And at the same time, my health was starting to fall apart and I really had to get back in front of it. I just got married and, you know, I'm thinking, geez, if this, this fast forwards, I'm going to be a mess by the time I'm 50. And so I had to, I was almost forced to learn what I did not know about health. And um, that journey really changed the trajectory of life. It gave me a, a, a eye for what does it take to heal? What else that's this dramatic that I am clueless about? And it really, it became a profession. It started as a quest to get my health back and then it turned into a hobby helping other people. And then people started wanting to pay me for it. And eventually we, we started a, a you know, simple business of 400 square feet and then it became 800 square feet and then it became, you know, two or 3000 square feet and eventually grew to 10,000. And we had, you know, about a nine year run of brick and mortar locations and just about every type of holistic health discipline you can think of and fitness and nutrition and chiropractic and acupuncture and massage and naturopathy. And so we had quite an, you know, an impressive um, growth trajectory and what we had been through, but like anything, especially if you throw your hand in the entrepreneur ring, there's not much else that has an opportunity to knock you down a few pegs than, cutting your teeth as a business professional. And, um, and so at the end of 2007 and somewhere in 2017, we unexpectedly had to close the business. It was a dream that hmm. we had fostered for years. And, um, so I talk about a gut wrenching, um, season of life I had to file bankruptcy yeah, and had to, oh, shit. um, I'm 41 years old at this point. I've got a wife and four kids. And when you file bankruptcy, they don't give you much. You don't get to keep much of anything. Right. <laughs> and, right. Um, so you're, you're, I started over with a clean slate. Um, and that, that turns into the dark night of the soul pretty quick when you're like, yeah. how in the world am I going to take care of these four kids and this wife in one of the most expensive cities in the country? And you know, what, what my resume wasn't particularly impressive. It was, I just hustle and get things done and I find opportunity everywhere I go. And so having to, to close that, my, where I thought my life was going was not where it was going. And that um, sudden change of direction um, and the, the clean slate moment gave me the chance to say, okay, if I am going to move forward and I have an opportunity to be choosy about what goes on my slate and what kind of life do I really want? I don't, not many people get this do-over moment in life where, or this forced do-over moment where you have an opportunity to really rethink everything sure. and say, well, then where am I going to go with all of this? And so I can tell you plenty of stories. It was about a three year run wow. to get back in front of that. And to, to, I, you know, there's so many 
plot points. I even wrote a blog post about it just to kind of, it was when COVID really started, of, I was slowly starting to come out of that really intense season and had extracted so many lessons of hardship that were relatable. So I just wrote about it in hopes to be helpful to other people who were feeling their life not being near as in control as they sure. were used to. So. All right. So now we got to, now we got to go back, man. Cause I did not see that in your bio. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and I want to, I really want to dig into that. Cause it's um like, that's scary. You know, the, the situation you describe mm -hmm. is, is scary. And now I want to know what happened. And so go, go back to the, it was the 400 square feet. Then it was 800 square feet. And this was back in, this is, 15 years ago how we long started ago? about 2008 we started a brick and mortar location okay. so got it and then things took off and you were offering mm -hmm. all these modalities all these different services and business was flying business was amazing yeah and then around that 2007 8 period no no um 2017 period like what what goes down that, that's like you got my curiosity radars Oh, man. What's well, it normal in, in business when you expand? You have this kind of the expected hockey stick, they call it, where you've sure. you've invested and you've poured your effort into something and you're you, you do it well and you come up out of it and you um you make you hit your inflection point and we were just hitting that. Like we were we had just started to breathe and like, yeah, we're like this it's working. We had membership programs that we were were, were doing well and and a growing base of clients and um, had short versions of landlord issues that um, more or less blindsided us and garnished our bank accounts and Whoa. took what we had. And I, you know, I, I found out afterward, if I had the right legal help, I would have won that, but I didn't find anybody that knew how to combat that. Or he, he told me because the, the landlord was actually the one that wrote the lease wrong, Hmm. I just didn't know how to stand my ground. Yeah. They would have lost and I would have been, I, who knows where this would be, <laughs> but sure. this is the trajectory we hit. And so, um, here we are. And that... well, you brought up a good point that I don't want to, I don't want to gloss over for a second. And mm -hmm. my lawyer said the same thing to me, my, my, my new lawyer that I, I got a couple mm -hmm. years ago. Um, and I've been through some, some shit lawyers. And my, my lawyer, Alex, who probably will listen to this is, is fantastic. I, I really like the way that he does, he does his work and cares for me and understands me as a human and, and what I want in life and the type of lifestyle that I live. And, um, and isn't, it doesn't have an agenda for himself, you know, for just mm -hmm. billing. And what he said to me is, look, man, like the problem you had with your former partner, you know, I had a partner steal a shit ton of money. Um, that probably could have been avoided with the proper contract. And there could have been a lot of legal ramifications on him that we would have just automatically gone through if you had the right contract. And so like, let this be a lesson to anybody that's listening, who's going through this inner turmoil of like, should I have an attorney look at this? I'm pretty smart. I think I can do it. No, maybe I should. Oh, no, no, no. It's too much money. I shouldn't let, let Christian and I warn you. You need to have, even, even if it's like, Hey, can I pay you? Can I pay you 150 bucks just to review this contract? Like negotiate with an attorney, just get another mm -hmm. set of eyes on it. Cause you don't want the ramifications, which you're about to tell us about. Well, yeah. And then it, even for, in my defense, I did have an attorney look at it. I did have somebody oh. look at it. And what you find out is they're not all created equal. What yeah. one sees is something the other one misses and, or their expertise is like, whether you're playing a guitar or whether you're 
a doctor, a trainer, whatever. There's there's just different levels of expertise. And so I, I guess the, the lesson I'd piggyback on top of yours is do your best to vet the person and find yeah. out <laughs> how good they are at their craft. But um, yeah, you're right. From, from there, it was a um, multi-month process. I had the option to go work as a general manager at a big chain gym not making enough money, making enough money to pay the rent, yeah. and nothing else, yeah. which meant we would have had to give up homeschooling our kids because my wife would have to get a job or they wouldn't even let me take a second job. And that was you know, looking in that city with the, the resume or skills I had of the jobs I could find. Nothing would do anything to cover a, just a comfortable lifestyle. Yeah. And by the grace of God, we had a, a friend who was a former, um, she used to work for me and she had a house out in the country about an hour and a half away. Wow. That was just that needed somebody to be there and tend it and take care of it. And so they just blessed us. They said, just go, just take care of the house and, and catch your breath. And um, that house needed us as much as we needed it. It was, yeah. it was such a mutually um, good <laughs> um, scenario for, to, for us to do that. And, and that, um, that old farmhouse built in the 1870s wow. that had a lot of quirks and charms and cold winters and, um, big space for big questions and space for bugs and space for me to to live a completely different life. I lived in cities my whole life, just big cities and didn't right. have any frame of reference for what it would be like to live in the country or what it'd be like to have a slower pace or um, why people like small towns. Yeah. And th to be able to be out there and breathe. And the first night we're there to hear crickets. I'm like, whoa, that's different. There's crickets that's, that's here. so cool, man. Right. <laughs> and so um, we just developed a toughness of by being there. We developed a an appreciation. My gosh, when they strip everything away from you and you're my, you know, we were on food stamps. My wife had to get a job as a checker at Target. Jeez. Um, we had to um, I I found whatever odd jobs I could. Um, we were driving to a food bank to get food. Um, and, and this mad rush, as soon as you open the door, it's like cattle running in there and you got to grab what you can get. And, yep. um, so it's, you know, it's the depths of like, um, your pride get, you're like, okay, well, there's nothing else to like, why not? I get to show up at the grocery store with a food stamp card. And, um, <laughs> how so, was that affecting you mentally? Like, what were you going through in terms of your ego? I mean, you're, you're a successful guy. You built this great business and now it's a freaking landlord issue that takes you down and now you're living in some podunk town and in a in the country in some old farmhouse eating on food stamps like that is that's a hell of a blow no it is and it what i guess to my comments earlier it, it rattles you because you're i'm saying to god I, I know you could fix this i know you could help me find customers i know you could zing me with the questions that i need to entertain in order to um have a breakthrough and and not go through i have a question on that me. yeah i have a question on that why why, why ask for that? Like, I know you're going to, I know you can, you know, get me customers. I know you can do this. Why, why wouldn't you, or why didn't you step back and say, all right, I get you put me here. Let me figure out why. Did you ever think about that? Did you ever process that one? It, you know, yeah. Eventually I, yeah. I came to it eventually, but initially you're just like, I scramble mode. As an entrepreneur, like you probably get it. We, we just go solve problems. We're like, okay, I need to, yeah. that's, that's what's next. I'll go figure out a way to create something and sell it and put some food on the table. And so it, it, my humility or my humbling came and realizing, okay, there's a bunch of skills I don't have in order to be able to, to pivot this fast. And, um, in my 
you know, naivety at that point. I wanted God to come in and just help me quickly find the customers because I know I'm good at coaching and changing people's lives and I can, I can get in the weeds and I can find the, the, what's blocking you and I can clear it. And yet, um, I, I, I had to learn marketing, which meant I had to learn a depth of human nature. I had to sure. learn tech and platforms and gluing them together and all of this other, what sounds like superfluous stuff. And, you know, what I found going through that is it was a three year, I, I had this idea, 12, 18 months, I got this and nope. Three years. <laughs> That's, there's just so much to learn. And how do you stand out in a marketplace? How do you, and so it was three years of barely making it. And eventually you, you, you face down enough challenges and you just start saying, okay, what's next? Like, and I never went hungry. I never, um, had any major catastrophes that we couldn't handle. It was, it was, it was almost like an incubator. It was an oasis to be out there and to recognize that there's a deeper work going on in terms of my character sure. and in my, um, humility that I need to step back and I need to face that. And I need to wrestle with, um, who am I and what am I put here to do? And how do I step into that? And, extract the lessons from this season of life that can help me help other people. And boy, you know, our character is the most forged, I think, in the difficult seasons rather than the comfortable ones. And so um, the number of lessons I was able to pull out of that season has has been something that I can't not help people with now because there's sure. they're, they're painful lessons, but there's it's it's that facing down the tension between me and my wife at that point of her, my willingness and eagerness to get my hand back in the entrepreneur ring to, to do something. And she, she had a, a longer on-ramp or a slower burn to be willing to even entertain that. It was so devastating for her and for both of us really, but it just like she needed more space. And the idea of being a business for me again, it's just like, I don't know if I ever want to do that. Sure. Um, and we had to work through the, the, the emotional pieces between the two of us of what it meant and what we were choosing and what does a life together look like? And, it, there's not many the opportunities to face the biggest questions in life that urgently and with raw emotion when you know lesser skills to do it well but um we just knew we were committed to faith and we were committed to each other and despite the arguments and the the struggle and the you know her willingness to to work at target rather than other things we could have done or she was cleaning homes for people and sure. it was just um it, there's there's a lot to talk through and in hindsight, we needed the time. We needed that to make us who we became or to launch us into what we do today. And we wouldn't be the same people without that. Yeah. What about your, what, what's interesting is some of the tougher things I've been through with my dad, I've been through a, you know, a 2008 downturn and we held on for as long as we could with his shipping company. And I, I eventually had to leave it in 2012. And and, uh, you know, it's still, my dad still has it, does extremely well today. And it's because we, he focused up his energy and what he spends his time on got too wide just for the audience to know, like when you, when you, when you get too spread out, when you get too wide and you start taking on all these different things, you get distracted and you lose focus on the one thing that you should be doing that will then spur up the leverage, the money, the resources, the opportunity, time, energy to then do those next things while this thing's kind of spinning on its own. So what my dad used to say to me, like in the, you know, leaving his business or the thing that happened to us in 2019 um, was, 
Listen, if you focus on why it happened or you focus on why you, you're, you're severely wasting time and being super selfish to what the world needs to know from what you've learned from this. So you've gone through it. It sucks. We get it. Nobody's denying that. Now you can either look left at the blame and it's that person's fault and why me? Or you can look right and say, okay, I, 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 I got this happened and I learned this and I can teach people through this modality or this, this piece. I can teach people this. I can teach somebody to not have to experience this. So I'm going to go do that. And when you focus on that, a whole different, a whole different energy comes from you. And instead of being bitter and resentful and regretful and angry, you go to, okay, I got a, I got a whole new experience I can tell people about. And I tell, I can tell you, Hey, this is how I got through it. This is how my wife and I were able to survive that when she was seven months pregnant or she was really, well, no, she's probably five months pregnant at that time. And we had a little three-year-old and there wasn't a bat of an eyelash when I said to my wife, she, listen, truth be told, I was having a drink out in the back porch after being at the bank for four hours, trying to figure out where $700,000 was, but it was gone. And I was just hoping that one, one of those hours, the bank manager would go, Oh, I am so sorry. We had the wrong account. Here it is. <laughs> it's there. No, don't worry. You don't have to jump out of a window today, which honestly, I, I've never been a suicidal person. I understood in that moment, I was so terrified that I had just failed so many people that the pain inside was so great and the panic was so great that I thought I, I now know why people try and take their lives because they're trying to end this pain inside and they don't want to take their life. They just want to take that away that pain. And again, not, I've never been suicidal. It wasn't at that point. I just said, I just kind of understood what other people might be experiencing. And so I go home and I go on the back porch and I start chain smoking some cigarettes and drinking some drinks and thinking, how the hell am I going to get out of this one? Like, what did I do? How, no one's going to trust me again. My reputation's ruined. But I didn't do anything. But it was that guy, you know? And my wife came out and she's like, what's up? And I said, the bank account's empty. The business operating account. Like, all the draw money, all the investors' money is gone. And I'm not sure what to do. She goes, well, I trust you that you're going to figure it out. And I said, I will. She goes, good. And she walked back inside. And it wasn't like a snide, you know, bitchy remark. She really trusted me. And I can tell you at that moment, it was a turning point for me. At that moment, I had trust for her that I had never felt before. Because I was like, holy shit, even in the worst of times, she has not one wavering notion about me. That is amazing. That's a partnership. And so... We figured everything out together. And I can tell you that if we hadn't worked on who we were, which then subsequently helped us grow our marriage, our relationship, our partnership, we would have not survived something like that. And it sounds like you guys needed something like that to kind of bring you back down to earth. Do I have that right? Yeah, that's, that's a good way to say it. Okay. I think on some level, there's a, even hearing you frame it that way, that it was almost merciful that we didn't have the opportunity for pity parties. Yeah. Like, no, you didn't have time. No, 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 no. No, I, I tell you what, man, like I wanted a pity party. I wanted someone to call me and go, Hey man, come on over. I, I got a check for you. Don't worry about anything. <laughs> you know, I just wanted that. Right. And I called my dad and I said, uh, this is what happened. I'm not sure what to do. And he goes, okay, well, you know whose fault this is. And I said, or he said, you know, whose foot this ball came off of. Cause what he used to say to me was, 
if you kick a ball down a hill, this is plain, plain and simple. This is about owning shit. This is about extreme ownership. You kick a ball down a hill and you just hope that it would just go down the hill and go into a lake. Yet it hit a rock that you didn't know was there and it smashed a car window and then hit an old lady and broke her hip and then went through a traffic light and two cars collided because they were trying to avoid the ball and then it hit the water. Every single thing from the time it left your foot is your fault. It's on you. And that's hard for some people to imagine. And so I wanted that pity part. I wanted to blame somebody. And my dad goes, you know, this is on you. You know, this is the, the, everything is, it's, it's everything after the ball, even your foot is on you. And I said, how is that? And he goes, because I asked you how much you trusted that guy. And you said 90%. And I told you trust is 100 or zero. If it's not 100, walk away from the situation. And at that moment, you chose to kick the ball. And so now for, for however long it takes you to clean this mess up, which by the way, I still am dealing with this shit yesterday, three years later, it's on me and I can't be pissed off. It is my fault. I chose that. And I have to just continue to, to clean the mess up that I caused or created by kicking that ball down the hill very innocently. Yet I know why I chose that partner. Cause I was insecure. I didn't have as much confidence as I do today in myself, even though I, I looked like it and I acted like it. I, they didn't come from the inside. It came from false exterior cars, money, success. That's where my, that's where my confidence came from. And so I, I, I think about your story in that, yeah, you didn't have any time to suffer or to have a pity party. You just had to get right to work. I mean, what about your kids, man? What about your what, what do you tell them? How old were they, by the way, at that point? Uh, yeah, so my kids were, let's see, four years ago. So 10, 8, 3, and 1, I think. And yeah, so it, it's, it, it'll be interesting to hear later in life how much they remember of that. But what I do know is that place was a gift to them. They thrived. They had freedom. They could be free range and go out in the country. And they have these rose colored glasses of that era of life. They just, they don't see the hole in the floor and the creaky stairs and they just see adventure everywhere they go. They saw um, a chance to be with mom and dad more and to um, look at the world through a deck. There's a tree swing and there's, there's just adventure everywhere they went. So I don't know. I think they, they were, when we left that house, they were sad. They're like, Oh no, it's like, they just, they, it was what they knew and they, they had such good memories there, yeah. which may have been the biggest gift that my wife and I got out of that was just watching them flourish and come alive and to get closer with them through that process where we had to have more authentic conversations with them, where they got to see us be emotional, where they got to learn why daddy's working late or what the different things are that we had to do to overcome it. And there's something about the struggle that bonds people. Sure. And on some level we became closer as a family because of that. So how did you process through like not anger? How did you process through the, man, I don't want to do this. Like, I just want to be at home with my kids. I don't want to work late tonight. I'm missing opportunities with them. I'm missing time with them. how did you process through that one? Well, the, for me, I, I, what we came to when we were making our decision, do I take a job that isn't going to pay the bills and we can maybe go deeper in debt and give up homeschool and like that, there was nothing about that that worked. The other option was I got to find a way to hustle and make money. And so the the life that I knew was possible because I knew the skills I had was I wanted to build a virtual business where I could be home. Yeah. And so we planted our flag on that. So I, I didn't have to leave to go anywhere. 
but I had to, I mean, I don't know how many nights I was up till what hour, hours in the morning creating content and lectures and blogging and the things that I would do to um, be able to be with them. Because if Nina's cleaning a house or working at Target, I have to be home and available to, to watch all four of these little kiddos. And um, so the, I guess the, the emotional piece of, like for probably the first two years, I had this gut punch, sour stomach feeling of I'm failing the most important people in my life. That's a long time and though to, to hold is. that a long time. I would, yeah, to have to wake up every day with the sour stomach feeling like you're failing and not good enough isn't fun. Um, but you see their little faces and to them, life's good. Like mom and dad are good. Right. Yeah, they don't I know the no context. So like, they, they, they weren't suffering. They were enjoying life and we were figuring it out. But their joy and their hugs and um, the fact that they didn't go hungry. Um, Nina and I probably skipped a couple meals, but... Um, that wasn't weird to them that when we got there, we didn't have a kitchen sink or countertops or um, that were, it was just, Oh, cool. We're washing dishes outside. Like it's almost like camping. Like they didn't, none of that. I'm looking at it through the dad lens of like, how in the world did I let my family? Yeah. How did I let my, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're just like, Oh, it's almost like camping. Cool. Like That's <laughs> so cool though. <laughs> That's so yeah. cool. Let, let me ask you a question. I, I, I wanted to ask you before we got, we didn't get sidetracked. We just rolled it. Um, with the landlord situation, why did it come to a bankruptcy? Why did it come to such drastic measures? Why, why wasn't it able to be worked out? Yeah, just the, the amount of money they took out of the account and stubbornly refused to change their position. Um, it How did they take money the, out of your account? Was it just open to so them? So interesting, I, the bigger version, we had the same, we, have, we were moving out of our original facility into a bigger one. And after we had signed the papers and gotten the new one, the same company we were leaving bought the new one. And so um, the, one of the challenges we ran into was we had, a, I had, in their mind, I had six more months left on the lease of where I left. And in, mm. in my mind, I didn't. And depending on how you read the lease, I was right or they were right. And their lawyers were better than mine. And so they um, won and they just took six months worth of um, all my working capital. Wow. <laughs> and that was, that was the end of that. So I, did, I, at that point I couldn't start, I was not able to pay the staff and you start losing staff and you, you did not, you get to go down to the store and get another two, three, four people to start filling no. the holes and it just unraveled. And, um, we and, had to, and, and it's, isn't it amazing that this company, which sounds like whoever's running this place lacks compassion, oh you're going gosh. to Darwinian, sign a new lease. Yeah. Darwinian capitalism is, the best way. If they can squeeze you, they will. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And they tried. But you know, what's really messed up and great at the same time is like how, how heartless do you have to be? And I know that a bunch of people like, look, I'm a hardcore entrepreneur. I'm a massive risk taker. Like, don't get me wrong. I still have a heart for people. And if somebody's like, Hey man, look, I, I'm happy to pay you that six months. Like I get it, but paying the six months all up front is going to, it's going to drain my my operating account and I'm going to go out of business. So like, let's, let's, let's work a deal out here. I'll give you half. Like, th but that's, that's a, that's a great, see, I just don't understand at this point in my life. And I used to be a different guy at this point in my life. I don't understand people who have a hard stance on one thing and yet can't understand. You don't have to agree. I'm just saying, can't understand someone else's point of view and at least work it out. 
Now, with that said, they actually did you a massive favor. They got you course corrected. They they liberated me on some level from a a line of work that while I loved wasn't great for family life, like nights and weekends and and running a team. And I I have a simpler existence now that I adore. And yeah, it's whether or not it... In, in their mind, I think it's just, it's numbers. Like, can we get somebody else in here faster and they can pay yeah. us rent? And he can, like, and so it, it's their number. It's a gigantic you know, sure. publicly traded company with Daily shareholders answer. that they're responsible to. And I'm just a number. And so yep. you, it is what it is, but um, my gosh, I'm, I, I look back on it and I can say liberated from, yeah, I, I don't know what, it, it wasn't a terrible life. I had, you know, a, a chance to be with my kids, but so much more now. And I get to be so much more intentional and do more of the, like what I got to choose when I had my clean slate was what kinds of things I, everybody has to work at something. So what do I want to work at and what life do I want to have and how does work fit into it? And starting from that perspective, it, it clarified a lot for me about what I wanted my working years to be about. And, or at least what I wanted the next chapter to be about and the options that it gave me, it was important to us to be able to homeschool our kids. And so I had to figure that out. Yeah. What's really cool about that is uh, there's so many guys and women too, that come through our coaching programs, our masterminds or listen to this show and, and write to me. And one of the most common elements is the regret that they're feeling or facing now because they didn't make the decisions that they knew they should have back when they should have made them. Right. I wish I would have hung out with my kids more. I wish I would have spent more time with my wife and I wouldn't be divorced because we have nothing in common now. And now my kids are out of the house. And because we're not parents anymore, we're going our separate ways. So in that respect, yeah, you, you got okay time with your kids yet. You didn't get the ideal, you know, won't regret this in the future time. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you talked a lot about belief in God and that trust and that faith that's a, that's a, okay, Christian, I hear you. Here you go. Like my wife says to me all the time, the universe will deliver the next thing when it shows, when you show it, you have appreciation for the thing it just delivered. And if not, it's going to take it away. And it sounds like that business was amazing. However, and you were helping a lot of people. However, maybe in your brain, you were just processing this Man, I don't, I don't want to miss these kids the time with them. I don't want, I don't want this. And then Here's the, here's the process. Bing, 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 right down the line. No, you're right. When even just even when we were in our heyday with the facility up and running and we had, um, you know, it was an impressive place and to have that, to be able to show my kids, but I, I started the ache then of what kind of dad am I like, when do I get to be with them and how much longer does it take to build this to a point where I can go, okay, I can set some boundaries. I have other people in place. I can, and that, that goalpost kept getting moved. And so that ache to, you're right to, to be there with them more to, it's a short season. The, the days are long, but the years are short when you have kids mm-hmm. and to be able to be with them um, was something I deeply wanted. And I didn't, like I, I look at life kind of through a regret minimization filter and say, well, am I going to regret trying or not trying? Am I going to regret figuring out a way to be with them or not be with them? Am I going to regret trying this business or not trying this business? Am I going to yeah. regret turning down that job or, or betting on myself? And, um, I want to know what happens when I give my best effort. And sometimes that doesn't work out. And sometimes it does. Sure. Well, it, it technically it always works out unless you yeah, die. <laughs> and then, and then it worked out the way it was supposed to in that case. Right. So it technically it always works out. It just might not be ideal for you. The way I wanted it. Yeah. Right. Right. What about, what about 
you as a man, as a human, just on the personal side, when you were going through all that, I just put myself in your shoes for a second and think, man, I, I like, you know, you're sitting in this farmhouse and you're like, what, what the hell did my life come to? What have I done? My family, like they're suffering. What's going like, how did you move yourself through those challenges internally? What kind of personal development were you into at that time? Oh man, a lot. I was reading books and listening to podcasts and I was consuming everyone's free content as fast as I possibly could. Sure. And, you know, in hindsight, the, what you get when you get people's free content is a whole bunch of puzzle pieces and you don't even get to look at the box. You're not even sure what your puzzle you're putting together because there's, it's, it's incomplete. And so much of life is, or a business is specialization. And so you get one person's special widget, but they're missing three other pieces. Yep, and, yep. So I, for me, I think that the voraciousness of learning and the urgency of provision were the, were two of the things that just suck it up. If you don't feel like it today, you have to. Yeah. And so the speed at which I learned and some of that, see, I can see how today that helps me because I, I consume large volumes of information quickly and I can synthesize and fairly rapidly get to the heart of the matter and go, ah, this is what I need to do. So when I'm um, wrestling with that, um, you know, every, you, the, the heart hits you typically at night when you try to go to sleep and you don't have something here, like filling your eyes or ears or something you have to be doing. If you're in the shower, you're like, I, I, when I went for walks, I would listen to podcasts. So that didn't count. So it was basically in the shower and falling asleep. Um, those are the two times where the heart goes, can I say something? And it, it just, it lays into you with, dude. Like during that quiet time, you mean the downtime? Yeah. Yeah. The quiet, it, that's when your, your heart speaks up and um, it's painful. I mean, that, like I mentioned, that sour stomach was two years of feeling inadequate. It was two years of um, not feeling very masculine or very manly or very much like a provider. All the things guys want to feel, feel sure. like you're in control and respected and, well, the stuff just, that we're programmed that we're supposed to feel. Right. And, yeah. when, and even just going back to the town where we were, it just like I just felt ill being there. I didn't even want to be around it because I didn't want to pass by somebody I might know and um, be further embarrassed, even though you know, not all of them had wasn't real. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of people I disappointed, but some of them were would have been happy to see me. I just it was it. I've, I've never felt more emotionally fragile. I actually had to have friends that I trusted that could think for me because I started to, it makes you doubt your own judgment sometimes. Mm -hmm. And somebody else who I respected as a thinker, who I knew would have my best interest in mind, I would try to reach out to them and say, help me think through this. Cause I don't, I don't have the option to, to bet wrong on this one or to yeah. Yeah. Uh, make a wrong turn here. So that was a, a big help to, if you're, if you're in those funks and like we all get in them, darn it, reach out to somebody, find your trusted person, and do not try to do that by yourself because you're you're not smart enough to think of all of it. And if you're an emotional, then you're even less qualified to be solving some of those problems. Yeah. And you need somebody emotionally removed from your situation to help you find the wisdom that you don't have in those moments. And um, that was one of my big lifelines was a few friends I could talk to or that would just call me because they knew I needed somebody to talk to and I wasn't yeah. as likely to reach out myself. That was your inner circle, man. You know, something that you brought up Listen, the, the cool part is all this stuff is very common. The patterns are very similar among the, the, mm -hmm. the majority of people. They're very similar. 
you talked about being busy, like distractions, listening to podcasts and the time that the heart was speaking up was when things were quiet in the shower or going to bed. Mm -hmm. And that was one thing that I had a, a very, it was actually at a church at the church in the church of the nativity, nativity. They, they really ground that into me. I actually went to this church before I sought my coaches and I just felt called there. I don't, I'm not sure why. And, you know, actually, no, I do know why now, because the, the guy that built this place took it from a 40 person to the 15,000 person mega church. And I loved his business sense. And the way he ran this place was so tight. And, but, but, and, and, and at the same time, like everybody loved working there. And one thing he said to me was just embrace the quiet, just embrace mm -hmm. that quiet, because in that quiet, you're going to hear the answers that you need. You might not want to hear them you'll hear the ones that you need to hear and you'll know what to do. And you can run that by me or run that by other people. And you can know yet if you try and avoid the feelings and the pain, if you try and distract yourself to think that you're going to somehow miraculously get out of this through over time in distraction, it's not going to work like that. Yeah. And what he said to me is every day, God is going to put that same thing back in front of you until you face it. Right. And, I, and I've subsequently done some plant medicine ceremonies that, the, the shaman said, the only way out is through. You can't go around it, under it, over it. You got to go through it. It could be hot, cold, wet, rainy. There could be snakes in there. It doesn't matter. You have to go through it. If what you see on the other side is what you want, you got to go through it. Must. Mm -hmm. And so I, you then brought up a really good point about mentorship and, and, and finding people that you can count on in your inner circle. Who were these people? On, are they, were they friends of yours? That, I mean, how did you know you could trust them? But just having a history with them and they had been slugging it out with me either um, on the support side as I was trying to figure out how to hold the business together or um, had been friends before when business was fine. Yeah. And um, we had just done life together. And so, um, you know, one in particular had spent so much time thinking with me on all the realities, um, you know, got about 10 years on me and MBA training and military nice. training, just just a um, a brilliant Sharp. thinking, rational yeah. mind yeah. that could look at those types of things. And, um, we had earned each other's trust by that point. And I had seen him and the way he handles other friends when they need help. And I'd like, that's the kind of guy you want corner when you know what hits the fan. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a blessing to have, you know, it, it wasn't many, it was probably three or four guys I could call on that would listen and think strategically with me um, about what was next. Yeah. So something that I, I, that helped me get through it. And it's an exercise that we use in our coaching programs and our live events and our retreats is called the future stage presentation. And when I would sit there and just think about how am I going to ever get out of this? Like, how's anybody going to trust me? Uh, I know yeah. I didn't do anything wrong. However, how long is it going to take me to get out of this? Right. And mm -hmm. I kept comparing myself. And that's a question I want to ask you too, is about comparison. I, I just kept thinking about this and wow. thinking about this. And then I thought, you know, dude, you're a coach. Like I had my coaching business for five years at that point. Mm -hmm. You're a coach. People are going to ask you a question of how you got through this and you got to tell them and you got to be able to help them. So you must get through this in, in an organized, systematized fashion. Not like you ended up in Atlantic city in a gutter somewhere and you hit rock bottom and your wife left you and you blew all the money. Like, not that scenario. You need to take the reins here and still be in flow of this thing. Get take the reins of your life. So 
I created this thing called the future stage presentation where I knew in a year from now, I'm going to be on stage and someone's going to say to me, Hey, well, what hardships have you had? And I'm going to go, here was my hardship. And here's how I got through it. And here's who I am and how I am that person today because of that hardship. And these five things, and you can learn from them too. And they're free. And I give them out on this podcast. By the way, there are, there are, a free resource in our, um, in our mental purpose or our quitters club, like they're a free resource. So anybody listening, like you want that message us and we'll send it out to you. But like, did you ever think about that? Like as a coach, how am I going to, how am going to make it, how am I going to make it through this to teach other people how to make, make it through hard situations or tough oh, times? That, that was probably one of my dominant thoughts actually. Was it? it was that somebody put it to me early on when I was, we were just kind of transitioning life to being out in the country of, you don't need to be a PhD at something. You need to be a second grader teaching a first grader. You just yep. need to be a little ahead. And in hindsight, the, I find the people who are the best at teaching something are ones who didn't learn it 20 years ago. They're ones who just learned it recently Fair, yeah. because they know what it's like to not know it. They understand what it's like to go through it. And, and so I just kind of took that mentality of who am I just a little further ahead on the journey and how can I add value, right? Not what does it cost, but just how can I go and be a, a voice of value? How can I deliver something that says, whoa, this, that was helpful. I wonder what I'd get if I paid the man. And to, to go to the, to the learning binge that I went on, um, whether it was marketing or whether it was psychology or whether it was health, nutrition, fitness, whatever, it was something that deepened my toolkit of understanding humans. And I, I clicked for me that if I just study human physiology and human nature at depth, I can speak to the human heart and I can help um, with problems that I've been through or been qualified to help with. And to not lose sight of that really became um, kind of a, an anchoring principle of, I don't need to coach everyone. I just need to find somebody who I know I can help. Yeah. And that was really one thing that got me through. Yeah. I love hearing that, man. That's, that's something that people ask me all the time. How do I become a coach like you? And I go, well, you'll never be a, co you'll never be a coach like me because you're not me. You have right. to be a coach like you, like you yeah. want to be, and you have to pick and choose who you'd like to serve and how you'd like to serve them. And, and I feel like my authentic self came out once I decided who I wanted to be. And it wasn't that I shifted and changed into that person. It was that I removed all the pieces that weren't that person and mm -hmm. me, which is standing there. It's the Michelangelo theory, the David theory. And so you, you, you hit it right on the head. You don't have to be a PhD teaching a freshman. You have to be a freshman two weeks in teaching another freshman who's just starting. That's it. Mm -hmm. yeah. that, that's a coaching journey. Now, if you want to yeah. talk about some deep level stuff, like, you know, you want to train people on like Ironmans and Mr. Olympia competitions, you probably need a lot more time on task. You want to train people like Aaron and I do with childhood trauma clearing, things like that. Be responsible. Right. Don't yep. do that. Don't, don't try and don't learn, don't learn it in a book and then go try and coach that. Yet, if you want to coach somebody on goal setting that's worked for you, or a morning routine or little things like that, how to, how to grab three great things from a podcast, you know, every time teach it all day long. In fact, you should teach it all day long because that's how you get time on task. That's how you learn your style, what people like, what you said that worked, what you said that didn't work. That's great. I, lo I love that advice, man. I absolutely love that. What, what kind of podcasts were you listening to, by the way, were they business? Were they all personal development? Were they a mix religious? Oh man. So, so many. Um, I, I could probably list several. So I listened to uh, Psychotactics. He's got the three month vacation. I listened to StoryBrand. Hmm. I listened to Clients on Demand. A lot of Frank Kern, a lot of Darren Hardy. Just, I mean, so many different 
people who were either successful or who, who were um, able to teach me the skills I was lacking. So that I, almost every big name in marketing who has a lot of free content, I went through their stuff Got it. and dove deep into what does it take? To, and I, I actually got pretty darn good at marketing. And so that, that started an Upwork profile of like, well, shoot, I can help you build this and this and this. And right. that started bridging the income so I could spend more time doing the coaching I wanted to be doing. And um, it, it's so now I have a, a marketing skill set to pair with a, a uh, you know, personal growth health coaching skill set. And so there were other, like the Weston A. Price Foundation, the Wise Traditions podcast was a big one that taught me so much, exposed me to so many different ways of thinking about health. And, um, and so several different health-focused podcasts and anybody who would teach me anything about marketing really were the two main I things that. I studied. How are you handling mental health? Like your mental health couldn't have been dialed in. No, no. Back then. Back then? Um, like mental and emotional health. I, yeah. I mean, mental and emotional. It's I, I, what gave me hope every time was, was this book, this, cause so many books, so many podcasts, yeah. this there's there. If I get one good idea out of this thing, it was worth it. And so the, I kept pushing the hope button just with every new day, every new podcast, every new book. Then I, I listen at one and a half speed or two speed. And I, um, I watch and listen and learn with such intention and such a drive to say, I need to, this person has spent years or decades thinking on these problems. I get the best of what they've distilled down in this book or in this course. And so that, that was one of the mental flossing things I did that was kind of, that would, if you have hope, you have a reason to keep going and to be able to, um, you know, look my wife in the eyes and to legitimately say, I'm trying. And for her to have a similar response to what your wife said to you, I know you're going to figure it out Yeah. and I'm, I'm not going anywhere. And we've got the patience. We are going to, to make it through this, that to, to your point, it's so centering and anchoring like, okay, I can do this. And I have a God who's not going to give up on me. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I'm here. So blessed be his name. And let's, let me get up and do it again. And yeah, whether it's fatigue or whether it's frustration of like, that didn't work. I don't know how many, if you're an entrepreneur, you have 10 ideas and you're lucky if one of them. Right, right, right. So you, you just put art out in the world. And, and so to just become unattached to this better work and just like, this might work. Right. That energy comes out as you do it. And so I had to it, it's a daily thing. One of the verses that means a lot to me is we've not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. And so I, I tried my best to live that when I get that sour stomach, it's like, wait a minute, that's coming from a place of fear. That's coming from nowhere. Good. So what does it mean to come from a place of power to know that, that my identity, my life has been secured and I, I am who I am because he says I'm valuable and he still has me here for something to do. And right now it's figured out how to feed these kids. Yeah. And so, to be able to anchor to, okay, well, what does it mean to be powerful and loving and have a sound mind? I can't just be highly emotional and all over the board and freaking out and chasing every shiny object. I have to be methodical and I have to own it that I still get to be powerful, that I still have something to give. I still have a contribution to make to this world. And my song is not over. Or this book is not being finished. It's not finished being written yet. And I, you know, pastor said to me many years before that is the idea or the, uh, the season I'm telling you about, it's just, he's fascinated by who, who we can become, like what other amazing ideas are out there that will totally blow my mind. And I'm one book, one thought, one conversation away from something that 
can change the trajectory of life. And I, I still have that to this day. I, I am, yeah. I'm so open to conspiracy theories. I'm like, there's probably something I can learn from it. There's <laughs> probably some truth tucked away in here. Like, what do you know that I don't? And yeah. to be able to, to go through life fascinated now, rather than just frustrated, it's, it is such a healthy switch. And so a lot of, a lot of Jim Rohn was in there. A lot of um, kind of the, you know, the circuit of motivational speakers, if you will, who just helped me hang on. This is nothing that isn't common to the rather rest of the, <laughs> our species. So if other people made it, I know I can too. And I would sometimes listen to pretty fantastic stories of overcoming like, okay, well, I don't have it that bad. I have right. health and I have that, that helped me too. Yep, yeah. That helped me too, man. It's not, I'm not, it's not that bad. It's only money. Like how I, great I did it more. feel to you? And I have a point behind this. How great did it feel to you when your wife trusted you so deeply and honestly and authentically? How, how did that yeah. feel to you? It's everything because it, that a spouse, like unlike any person in the world, they have the most leverage to make you feel capable or incapable, secure or insecure. And to know that the most important person in my universe thinks highly of me and still respects me and um, does her best to reinforce that. Um, even when I'm not at my best sometimes. Yeah. I, and <laughs> I love like that. that. And I, 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 I brought that up because if there are, if there are people listening, man or woman, doesn't matter. If you don't have full trust from your spouse and you don't know what that feels like the way we're describing it, like this beautiful, like, wow, man, Somebody trusts me more than I do right now. That's amazing. If you don't have that, it's on you. It's your fault because you haven't created it, in my opinion. And if you want to create it, it's possible to create it. Then you have to start working on who you are and how you're showing up and what kind of space you're creating for that person. And then they will have the space to create for you. Yet for those of us that are leaders, again, in my opinion, you got to do it first. You've got you to push first and go out on the limb and, and create that space. And, and your, your partner's not going to trust you until you actually trust you. Now, there are times when I didn't trust myself and my wife did. And I'm sure there's times when you were like, I don't think I'm doing anything right here. And your wife was like, no, you're good. Everything's good. I trust you. We're cool. Mm -hmm. So that feeling is something that I want everybody to experience. And you get that from your personal growth and development. You, grow, you get that from becoming the real authentic version of you. Which, by the way, your spouse probably sees and also sees the fake side of you, too. You know, like yeah, the inauthentic. Totally. Yeah. No, it's the ancient law of sowing and reaping, right? If, you, right? if you don't sow that, if you don't make any relational equity deposits, if you don't give the other people in your life the gift of unconditional love and psychologically safe spaces and the knowing that they can't get away from your affection and that you're going to be there no matter what. If you don't give that first, you're highly unlikely to get it first. True, and so sure. I think we had built that by that time. I love to hear that, man. Well, look, this has been a, a, a jam-packed, <laughs> jam-packed episode. And we didn't even get into like, we didn't get into half the stuff I actually wanted to talk about. I just really enjoy you telling that story because I know that there are people that just need to hear that. They're going through some tough stuff and they need to know that maybe it's not that bad, you know, and they probably have questions for you. And if you have questions for Christian, just, you, you figure out how to get a hold of them on Instagram and you write them and ask them. Like, I want to ask you, where was all the rest of your money? Why did that six months of reserves for your rent, why did that bankrupt you? Where was the rest well, of your money? 
that's that was it that we had put all our eggs in that basket of, oh, of running got that it. business and you, you for nine years that was where it went and sure enough so that's so many lessons to extract from sure, that and sure. it's not like i was a perfect business for there's there's always things you can do better and so it's not it's it's my own shortcomings and an unfortunate situation and there you have perfect it so it's, it's they're hard painful expensive lessons but they're wasted if we don't do something with them you know what i what i imagine like whatever's on the other side of this life i imagine like let's just let's 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 say that there's a there's there's the the hall of judgment there's a room of judgment there's some kind of judgment on the other side mm-hmm. as i get older i start to realize like whether that's true or not my kids are looking at me and my kids are going what is my dad actually doing Mm-hmm. And so now my daughter, when we pass a homeless person, like when we're going to get something to eat, my daughter will now say, cause I've programmed her this way. Hey dad, that's, there's a homeless person over there. Let's get him something to eat. And I'm like, I now know that in that room of judgment or that hall of judgment or whatever it is, like I'm, I'm now shifting to doing even more for humanity and society besides just coaching and helping people you know, free themselves of internal restriction and constraint and, and end that internal struggle and suffering and, and build a business and have a better marriage and make more money and quit their job. All those things, those are awesome as a business. And yet I still have to show up as a human yet in my personal life, I'm still of service to the world, which I never thought about before, like two years ago and moving mm-hmm. to California, especially it was, it was something that was really wide open to me, like really glaring in my face. Like you gotta, you gotta do this, you know? Yeah, I'm I'm sure there's no shortage of suffering and need in this world. And when you are humbled enough to remember what it was like to have need and to be in a a tough place, it gives you so much more empathy and compassion for people and a, a a relatability to struggle that, that just makes you humble and authentic much more likely. And, uh, so yeah, I, I have similar thoughts and I, I, I picture the, the man in the arena or the, um, the great cloud of witnesses looking down and, and just cheering me like he got up again. Like, right. Seriously? <laughs> right? And that Cinderella man was a movie where I'm like, Oh, like that takes guts to get back up after that. Yep. But that's like, that's part of the warrior part of being a man is we want to like bring on the struggle. I'm here to find out what it makes me. I'm glad it's hard. It wouldn't be worth it if it wasn't hard. Yeah. And when that grit hits you, then it's just clear my throat. I'm not going to, I'm going to do my best to deal with my own crisis of limitations and not overestimate my capacity here, but I'm now I'm on mission. And so I know I've learned so many lessons that are so helpful to people and it is a joy to spare them a lot of wrong turns along the way. Yeah. Well, dude, really, really, really enjoyed hearing your story and um, really appreciate you being here. Well, thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. Where can people find you? Um, you can find me. Our, our coaching business is truewholehuman.com. I also write a blog that is at deconstructingconventional.com. Muse about all things health and healing and fitness. And um, we're, we're ex- even expanding that to have our own podcast here in the near future. Um, and then uh, we have our so we're really reducing our footprint on traditional social media. So you can find us on social at truewholehuman.social. And if somebody wants to reach out to me personally, they can just email me Christian at truewholehuman.com. Cool. That's awesome, man. It's got to be a good feeling to be on the other side of that now and and then giving this story back. And that's only five years ago. 
big stuff can happen. People ask me all the time, hey, what's your 10-year vision? And I'll say, look, I, I've got a general idea of what it looks like in 10 years. And 10 years is such a long time. Yeah. I'm not going to map out 10 years. I'll map out maybe three, maybe. Because <laughs> five to 10 years, dude, your whole life could be completely different. You're yeah. like ten, 10 years ago, I was broke with, with hadn't paid my mortgage in two years, cars getting repoed. And I was teaching swimming lessons for 10 bucks an hour. I didn't have a real estate license yet. Like that was me 10 years ago. How the hell could I imagine that I live in Southern California, be a high level men's personal development coach, run a really great business, have two kids. Like I, how the hell would I know that? You know? No, so, life takes turns and you don't know where they're going, but it is um, fun to look back and I'm with you. I, I maybe think six or 12 months ahead yeah. Three, five, 10 years. Who knows? Who knows? What I'm right. doing in six months is way better than now. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right, Christian. Appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much for being here. And, um, and audience, uh, thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next one.